Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Pacific Point of View. I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Aiden Weber. And I'm Colt Almodova. And together we are the Pacific Point of View. And gentlemen, we are back with another off-season episode. Um, so we will start with, with what we usually like to start with, and that is things that we saw that surprised us. Surprise. <laughs> surprised, Eddie? <laughs> if I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. All right, Hayden, uh, what did you see this weekend? Or this week, I should say. Yeah, there's a little there's a little situation going on at Auburn, and I'm not just bringing them up because I visited the campus once. There's actually been a, quite a bit going on with that program that's newsworthy. So I don't know if you guys heard, but they just hired Austin Davis a couple months ago. He was a former Seahawks assistant to fill their offensive coordinator position. And out of nowhere, I can't remember, it was about a week ago today, about he just resigns out of, out of the blue. Uh, stating personal reasons and it was just a really weird thing you know you very rarely see guys go that quick unless you know they get a promotion or something happens and according to Saturday Down South Greg McElroy I'm not sure who that is said that he's he used to uh, I think he coached uh, Florida I'll look it up I think that's I I don't know I think that's Jim McElwain who you're thinking of but Greg Mm. McElroy says that he was going to get fired and that he was unfit for the position is why that he, he left. So he was either going to be – so he basically got forced out. <clears throat> and people are really calling Brian Harson into question, why would you hire him in the first place? How are you just going to hire a guy and then two months later you deem he's unfit? It just doesn't make sense. And he made another quick uh, staff decision earlier in the season. He fired their wide receiver coach like three games into the season after – they uh, they fired Cornelius Williams after they almost lost to Georgia State. So yeah, uh, I think the Brian Harson experiment is kind of starting to sour, and I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn has a vacancy in the next two three years. That's Hayden's new team, Auburn. No, it's not. They're my <laughs> SEC team. There we go. They're oh, my right. SEC team. Yeah, Brian Dis- Harson. It's he's a weird hire. He was a weird hire to begin with. Because I mean, yeah, he he didn't build Boise State. That's the thing. When people hire these guys who are just plug and plays at these traditionally good Group of Five teams, he didn't build the program. You know, he inherited something great from Chris Peterson. So yeah, 
you know, just a, just a weird hire, but, you know, they wanted to do something a little bit different, and so far it doesn't look like it's paying off. Yeah, I would agree. Greg McElroy is that guy. He, you've probably seen him on, like... Oh, it's, the former Alabama quarterback. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. He, also, he does the games with Tessator on yeah. uh, ESPN. Oh, I feel stupid. He's, Apparently, a, he's actually he on pretty the Jets. good. Yeah, he was on the Jets the same time as Geno Smith, it looks like. Um, but he retired to become an analyst, and he's pretty good at it. Yeah, he's so, a very good okay. analyst. Uh, Cole, what's something that you saw that surprised you? So today, one of the coolest things of this new NIL thing is that Fanatics and this this company, One Team Partners, they announced that this college athlete group rights licensing program for jerseys. So what this means is that whatever college player that you like love to support, you can get their jersey and with their name on the back, and this wow. is something that I've been wanting to do for years now. I mean, I would have had a, a Mariota jersey by now, a Manti Teo jersey, a Colt Manti Brennan Teo's jersey. girlfriend. Yes, like that would be great. And so, like, I want to get a Timmy Chang jersey. I just think it's really cool now. I don't know the specifics, if you have to be a partner with Fanatics or whatever, but this, this is a great step, and I think it's a great step for players marketing themselves. And, you know, fans can actually wear these college kids' names. Like Johnny Manziel, right? You would yeah. love a Johnny Manziel A&M jersey, but you, you wouldn't really want a Johnny Manziel Cleveland Browns jersey right now. I, I would agree with that. I would have had a Jordan Poyer jersey. Exactly. Easily a Sean Heismanian jersey. Um, oh, the Rogers brothers. There's so many possibilities See? with that. There you go. It's something we needed. Yeah. Did, did, we got it. Do they sell past, I guess that's already a thing, like past I players' mean, jerseys? They do like Pat Tillman here. You can get a Pat Tillman yeah, jersey. Yeah, so I, that already is a thing, I guess. So. Yeah. Um, something I saw that surprised me, um, so Texas A&M, and more on Texas A&M, they had an insane recruiting, signing day, recruiting period, everything. Um, Jimbo Fisher, I found, was, was having to defend himself over and over again in the media, uh, over alleged NIL deals and, and crazy stuff like that, and, and he had to, like, defend his integrity, and he was saying, like, these claims are ridiculous that I'm giving people, like, giant NIL deals, and... I just think what's ridiculous is the fact that Jimbo Fisher has to defend actions that are perfectly legalized in the NCAA. And I've seen this happen over and over again, especially with Lincoln Riley. He's getting criticism for, like, a bunch of Oklahoma guys that jumped ship and went to USC. But it was a perfectly legal thing for him to do under the NCAA rules. So it's surprising me that coaches are having to defend themselves and face scrutiny for doing things that are perfectly allowed under the current NCAA rules. It's just really weird. And wasn't Kirby Smart kind of crying about it? I think I saw something where he said NIL's destroying college football. But and Dabo. Dabo was saying dude, that too. Georgia's got five five-star recruits. That's five times as many as the Pac-12. So he, yep. you know, it's just the SEC entitlement sometimes. And yeah, I don't know. Just, just weird times in college football. Very weird. Yeah, and I think in a lot of cases I've seen the – the anger and the the criticism directed at the coaches that are taking advantage of the system when I think it should be directed at the lawmakers and rulemakers in the NCAA, honestly. Yeah, right. I think NIL was always it was inevitable, and I think it's good that the players are, are getting compensated, but I don't think I, – I mean, obviously, the NCAA completely botched the whole thing, and you're already seeing the repercussions. It's because they it. tried to resist it. Right. They tried to resist right. it. Right. So I – and, and like you mentioned, it's not the coach's fault. It's no, it's nobody's fault, you know, for USC going out and and basically loading up in free agency. It sucked mm -hmm. for everyone else in the Pac-12 South. Oh yes. But 
You know, that's the name of the game these days. You got to do what you got to do. And like you said, blame the NCAA. Blame them because they destroyed the own sport that they said they were trying to protect all these years. I know Jimbo's a great coach and he's probably a great recruiter, but why do you guys think A&M is able to out-recruit guys like Bama and Georgia, especially because A&M hasn't even made a playoff recently? I think it speaks volumes to the effect that the state of Texas can still have. Okay. That is a massive state, and it's arguably the best football state in the country. And, you know, you see Longhorns down right now. TCU, not really relevant. Texas A&M's that big brand. They're in the SEC already. Hey, even then, Texas pulled in the number five class in the country. Yeah, go. exactly. I, I think that just says more about the state of Texas. And every time they don't perform well, it says more about... Because think about it. The state of Alabama is not up to par with the state. It's like Georgia kind of is, but... Texas is like top three. It's California, Georgia, Texas. Right. Those are the Florida three too. Did football. You say Florida? No, I didn't. But Florida's, Florida, up, Florida's there. up there as well. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think it, at its face, it's like Bama should be able to pick guys up from Georgia and Florida. But mm. it, it actually doesn't make a ton of sense that no Texas school has really touched Bama in the last however right. long. And that's why ASU fans have always been upset about in-state recruiting. Is because ASU is honestly one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 at recruiting the state of Arizona. That's not relative to your own state. None of that. ASU, since 2016, consistently have been getting maybe the 15th best player in their own state. Yeah. And if ASU was securing the top talent in the state, they would be so much better off. And, and like you mentioned with, with Texas, it's, you know, they're building, you, you, you hear guys say, build the fence. We want to build a fence around our state. And... Yeah, uh, good for them for doing it. Yeah, I mean, you look at the top, some of the top quarterbacks in the transfer portal this year, Rattler and Chuba Purdy, where it's it's guys that you didn't get the first time around, and then you didn't even get the second time around when they were in the transfer portal. So, well, that's a whole different. Rattler probably could have he could have came here if he if he uh, if some other things weren't going against him. I think he wanted to come to ASU, but there was really yeah. You guys didn't hear about that? What happened? No. So okay, story time. <laughs> uh, so. What was it? January? No. January just happened. Whenever, it was when the season just ended. It was shortly after the Las Vegas Bowl. Okay. I think. December, probably. Yeah. Somewhere somewhere in there. And Spencer Rattler gets in the portal and immediately, you know, speculations buzzing where Spencer Rattler going to go. And this is, he was one of the first big names to get in the portal. Oh, yeah. And people are thinking like. (laughs) We're getting the windows washed for us. Um, (laughs) All right. Shout out the Cronkite cleaning crew. Absolutely. No, but but long story short is that the word around the street was he wanted to come here. And it was up to Jaden Daniels and Herm Edwards whether it was going to be a time for Jaden to move on and we start anew with Spencer Rattler or interesting where Whoa. we're at now and Spencer Rattler goes somewhere else and they decided to stick it out with Daniels. So. And so Rattler went to the other side of the country. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and jump forward to the big picture where we can touch on some of these big stories. And and the first one, I touched on it earlier, Texas A&M reels in the greatest recruiting class of all time, according to, I think, pretty much every recruiting uh, metric. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this? I mean, it's, it's really impressive looking at this class. They have, let's see how many total players they have committed. They have... 29 commits. Yeah. And three of them are three stars. 19 four stars and seven five stars. (laughs) ASU, for perspective, has had two five stars 
in the history of the program. Yeah. And Texas A&M just hauled in seven. Alabama had three. The next best was Georgia with five. Seven five stars, and they lost one. Yeah. And who flipped? He they, did flip. Didn't he flip? Who did he flip to? I can't remember. I thought it was Bama or Georgia. He flipped to somebody, but and I forget his name, to be honest. I do, And it was one of the better players in the country. So but, when you pull in a recruiting class like this, are you, like, expected to make the playoff next year? Like, I feel like you've got to be. You know, you beat Bama I think last maybe year. in two years this is a, it'll factor in because you've got a lot of guys that are going to be behind. I mean, for Texas A&M, I think more than anything what this says is, okay, even if you're not contending next year, the year after and a few years down the line, A&M is going to be there. They already beat Bama this year right. and not with those guys yet. Like, Texas A&M is scary, especially because they have a coach that's already won an Addy. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jimbo. So, and, But then you also, on the other token, USC has had a couple top ten classes. Oregon. Hmm. And North Carolina. No, North Carolina. Under Mac and, Brown. and those teams are nowhere in, near elite. So. In weaker conferences. Yeah. Right. So uh, some of it, there is something to be said about being able to develop talent and mm-hmm. actually find the talent that's there because they can look as good as you want in high school. But if you're not able to pull that out, it's the same reason why teams like Utah, who are consistently like 80th in recruiting managed to come out and win nine games. It's because they're getting guys that right. 247 sports aren't even caring about, but then they come out and and get get a four-star performance out of them. I mean, I, I don't know what the recruiting status was of Cam Rising, but <laughs> I never heard anything about him, and he was like one he of the like top a third, guys in the Pac-12. He was, he was like a third stringer at Texas, just some three-star guy yeah, that picked up, transfers, exactly. he becomes a star. So it's, it's doing more with less in some cases. And, and you know what's funny about Utah is I know we're going to touch on Pac-12 recruiting in a little bit, but I just saw on on Twitter all their fans are saying this is a special class. Kyle Whittingham is is putting together the Infinity Stones. Let's go! And they got three four star recruits and finished with the number thirty eight class nationally. Wow! And this is like one of the better recruiting classes they've had. Yeah, that just and that's not that's not a knock on Utah. It just shows how much they've been able to do with. I don't want to say subpar talent, but not top of the top, cream of the crop, elite guys. Yeah, I mean. Fun fact here, I'll just share it now because it's, it's uh, oh, I accidentally deleted something there that was important. But uh, it's it's something I want to just mention now while we're, we're there. Vanderbilt finished dead last. We're literally looking at the exact same thing. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Dude, Vanderbilt, get, yeah, are you about to read it? Get this. Vanderbilt had the worst recruiting class in the SEC, and they finished number 32 nationally. And that is above the Pac-12 champion, Utah, mm-hmm. the ACC champion, Pittsburgh. Baylor. And Big the 12. Big 12 champion, Baylor. So they finished above three, and yet that— And Cincinnati. Yeah, and yet that Vandy team is going to win maybe three games next year. Wisconsin. I don't get it. It's, it's just—I feel like there has to be some sort of bias towards a particular region, mainly the southeast, when it comes to these, because— Vanderbilt has, they've been raking in classes like that routinely. They routinely are in like the top 45 recruiting classes, and yet they still only win two games. They got clapped by Stanford. Stanford yeah. destroyed them. So you're saying the numbers or the ratings might be inflated if they're going to an SEC school? Is that I don't, what you think? I don't even think they're inflated per se. I think the, the recruiting rankings evaluate the tapped potential with, without factoring in the untapped potential because you look at for example, Oregon State is a great example. They had the best O-line in the country this year. Best running game, least amount of sacks allowed. Yep. None of those guys 
were better than a four star. There was like two four stars maybe. Rest are three and lower. So it, it's all about doing more with less uh, when you're those smaller teams, especially a Utah or a Baylor or an Oregon State where you're not going to get the top guys. you got to get the guys that fly under the radar, the guys that were backing up like Chase Young for four years at high school, stuff like that. I mean, that's Baylor just won a Big 12 title, and they've had nowhere near as good a recruiting classes as Texas. And another thing to consider with recruits, and going back to the whole are the numbers inflated thing, is you have to consider where they're playing, okay? So maybe the kid who plays at you know the, the high school that wins the state championship every year, and he's really not a great player, but he puts up good numbers, he's going to get a three-star ranking and maybe somewhere in the back half of the national top 1,000. But then you've got a kid, and, and I'll just speak from experience, uh, a buddy of mine, Sam Marazzo, okay, played at my high school, small high school, where one of the bottom divisions in the state of California, Aliso Niguel. The dude was a preferred walk, preferred walk on at UCLA, and, and as of last year, he was the starting center. Wow. You know, and, yeah. and with Oregon State, and like you mentioned, it's, it's those diamonds in the rough, the guys who maybe didn't have the good weight programs at their yeah. high school and they're a little underdeveloped. Darian Butler is a big, as uh, a great example of this, just a, a little bit undersized, was great technique. And I remember Antonio Pierce saying when he came out of high school, if this kid was two inches taller, he'd be a five star. Yeah. So it, it's, I think it's with recruiting, it's more important that not only are you good at developing talent, but you have an eye mm-hmm. for, for underappreciated talent. 100%. It's, it's, that's where they make their money. All those coaches that are outside the top tier, they make their money by going out and getting those guys that, like, I don't know, Michigan State, has Michigan State ever had a top 15 recruiting class? Rarely. I, I can't. I never remember seeing them up there. But Michigan State always is always a competitor there. And whether that was Mark D'Antonio, whether that's uh, Mel Tucker right now, they are always competing. So where's I, Hawaii? I'm curious. Well, they're 23 right now. But all they're right, 23. Gotta, yeah, and that's that's. But uh, they're you know, consistently a top 15, 10 right. team. So they outperform their recruiting rankings. Exactly. And that's why the recruiting rankings don't determine the standings. That's why Vanderbilt's not a top 30 team in the country. Uh, big, big <laughs> news in the transfer portal. Caleb Williams is officially a Trojan. What, what are you guys we're looking at? Sw- <laughs> we're going down the okay. list to find Hawaii. Let's 126, boys. That's like nearly dead last, right? Get this. They're in between FIU and FAU. What's, aren't there like 130 teams? Hawaii's 126, but they'll beat Vandy next year. Yeah. I Why think, is that? I think they definitely could. No, I, I think it's, you know, it's teams, all the stuff we teams just touched out on. Teams out-recruiting Hawaii. This is we'll, blowing Colt's mind right now. We'll, we'll get to Caleb Williams. Teams out currently out-recruiting Hawaii. Princeton. <laughs> New Mexico State. That's not true! Central Arkansas. I mean... Sam Houston. Jackson State. Wow. Massachusetts. <clears throat> wow. I mean, Campbell. the list goes on. I mean, ASU's behind UConn. Yeah, no, more to come yeah, on some of yeah, those teams. It doesn't, pick on Hawaii. <laughs> by no means are recruiting rankings power rankings. Don't get it mixed up. There's right. so much more variables, so many more Especially variables. Especially with the transfer portal. Exactly. The, tra- the transfer portal, allowing Caleb Williams to go to USC, how does this affect the Pac-12 South race? Big time. It sucks. I think they win now. Uh, yeah, I think... <clears throat> Some people are still holding on to the narrative that, oh, USC always does this and they never deliver. This is different. This, this is feels a different. guy who now, here's a was guy. a winner. Yeah. Now, here's a guy who won in the Big 12 
and played for an elite coach, was developed by an elite coach, and now he's going to go back and play for his elite coach at USC. So now USC not only has the talent, you know, the prospective talent, they've got the established talent, the guys who've put in work, the guys who've made it happen on the field. Like yeah. a Caleb Williams, Troy Dye, Brendan Rice, Latrell McCutcheon. And with Lincoln Riley, good night. I think the Pac-12 South's a wrap. If Caleb Williams was the last piece. If you're UCLA or any of these other schools in the Pac-12, you got one year. All you have to do is bank on that USC's it's just coming in fresh, it's all new, and hope that this all just kind of shit, well, shifts, thing, back, shifts yeah. back, you know, it's not good this year. <laughs> Um, but things hit the fan this year, and then hopefully, you know, USC brings it back up in the following years. But other than that, anyone else got no shot in this in this Pac-12 from 2023 on. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry, Cole. We're, we're close to safe harbor hours. Um, <laughs> I, I see there's a cough break right here. I might have to, like, hit this button every time. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. I didn't, I didn't realize. Do I have a cough break button? I don't think so. Wait, can I Hold test on. it? Can I test it? Yeah, go test ahead. It. Can you guys hear me talk? Yeah. Through the mic? Yep. Really? Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can hear I you. I don't see my, my audio bar is not working. All right, now let me talk again. I One. mean, it sounds, I, I it sounds the same in the headphones. Maybe it's picking you up on Colt's mic. I, I don't, don't know. know. Like, we don't need the cough break. I think, yeah. I mean, you guys, <laughs> it looks very tempting. I don't even know what the button looks like. Anyways, what I was, uh, yeah, when, for, okay. <laughs> when we first got the news of Lincoln Riley coming to USC, I, I thought it was like, oh, it's great news, like Pac-12, let's go. Like, we need this. We're going to look better. And then immediately, just a tidal wave of Oklahoma transfers and terrifying commits to this USC team, I feel like have slowly shifted it from like a welcome, like, woohoo, to like, oh, oh, oh my goodness, like, this could be really ugly for the rest of the Pac 12. Yeah, it was, everyone was like, oh, Lincoln Riley, this is so good for the Pac 12. And like you mentioned, and Joe Healy on Twitter, who's a great ASU fan, has always maintained he doesn't get the back the pack narrative because mm. what good does it do when your conference is just loaded? It doesn't mean you automatically win more games because the teams in your division are better. All it has to do with is perception. And the way I look at it now, the Pac-12's perception is already destroyed. Okay. Yeah. USC coming in and being a juggernaut is not going to change anything. It's not. It's 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 just going to be like, oh, well, USC, no wonder they're going 12-0 and every year. They're in the Pac-12. Yeah, And now all the talent is going to go to USC. That's what pe- – I don't understand people being excited about this. We sport. need a good UCLA team. That's what we, we need. need. We need an ASU. And a good Utah team. You know, and a, a good ASU team. I think ASU has more potential than Utah. I think Utah without, without Kyle Whittingham – it's nothing special. They should, they would be Colorado tier, yeah. Right. ASU and even I'll throw U of A in there. Those are two schools that, you know, could be like a USC UCLA, you know, 1B. You yeah. know what I mean? We've seen flashes. We've seen right. flashes. ASU and U of A. Mm-hmm. And and Utah I think is just in a in a peak right now, but yeah, USC is, is could monopolize this thing and and this thing could actually get very ugly for the conference. I think like it'll be similar to what Clemson kind of did with the ACC. Bingo. It'll be exactly like that and you know, the Clemson doesn't get any respect for their conference games and neither will USC in the Pac-12. Right. But when they build this dynasty and they go to the playoff every other year and maybe they'll win, you know, a couple of natties here and there, they'll get the respect. Just maybe not the conference. Exactly. What good did Clemson being good 
what did good did it do for the ACC? The ACC still gets just as much slander as the Pac-12. Yeah, yep. agreed. It's that terrible coastal division. Ugh. Ever since Florida State fell off, it just hasn't been the same. But uh, Lane Kiffin, uh, after Ole Miss was ranked number one in the portal, the transfer portal rankings, um, almost definitively, Lane Kiffin made this Photoshop, and you guys can see it, and dubbed himself the Portal King. Like it's Tiger but King. Like Tiger, yeah. It's a portal. It's photoshopped over the tiger. Kind of an old, old show, but it's uh, you know not that old. You know you got to give Lane Kiffin some credit. Was uh, that 2020? 2021. When did that come out? Dude, that was like 2020, fresh right? The pandemic. Yeah, it was 2020. That was like first week of the pandemic. Ooh, that, was, that was a long time ago. It was. Right? Yeah, I never. I still haven't watched it. I refuse. What? I refuse. People. Too many people try to tell me it's good, so I ne- I never watched. You should watch it now. No one's talking about it. Yeah, except, I might, except Lane I Kiffin. Might. I, I'm watching Train to Busan right now. A great movie. Yeah, a zombie movie. Heard about um, it, never seen it. Yeah, well, it's it's. Uh, I'm only 30 minutes in, so I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> You're just watching subtitles, though. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, exactly. True. I couldn't get the dubbed version. I'm down. Yeah, it's a bit of an L. It's only on Tube, Tubi. Tubi. It's not on Netflix anymore. No, it's not. What happened? I don't know. Did it used to be on Netflix? It Tubi. used to be. Yeah, Tubi. What is Tubi? There's Tubi and Tubi, and then there's Fubo. Oh, I hate the streaming names. There's like... (laughs) He's making this up. I'm not. I've never heard of Tubi. Tubi. No, I'm talking about Tubi. It's T-U-B-I. Sounds like kind of a sketchy website. No, no, it's a real one. It's a real one. Uh, 123movies.com. Anyways, uh, let's not expose Uh, ourselves here. I watched it on Buff Streams. All right, all right. Uh, if you guys, if you guys remember the uh, the worst video of all time, uh, Brian Kelly oh. dancing with the recruit. Yeah, that flopped. Um, <laughs> Hayden, would you like to say what happened to that recruit in the in the video? Yeah, he didn't go. He did not commit <laughs> to Brian Kelly and LSU. Instead, he committed to Alabama. He got weirded out, bro. Yep. Yeah. That was I was uncomfortable watching that video. Yeah, people were Brian comparing Kelly. it side by side to the Urban Meyer video with the girl at the bar. Oh, like God. Brian oh. Kelly is giving him the same vibes. Oh, Brian Kelly. Everything Brian Kelly's done so far at LSU I, has just been cringy. I was bro. about to say he went from like kind of just a just such like a I don't want to say vanilla, but you know yeah, what I mean. He was yeah, a vanilla he's coach. very vanilla Plain. coach. You know. Has nothing to do with his race, but you know everything to do with the fact that he just shows his up. His personality work. never existed. Right, yes. you know, just shows up, wins, turns in good recruiting classes, and then loses in in October and, and, it was, and December. And it was only this year that he became controversial because remember he said he was going to execute the team after yes! they almost and that lost. was weird too. Yeah, he's like, well, I'm going to execute the team, and everyone's like. Nobody got the reference. I don't. I don't even know what the reference was, and people I, were just like a seventy-year-old reference. Confused bro. by it. It was weird. And then now all this, <laughs> his reputation. I don't want to say his well, reputation is destroyed, but it's like he like had some weird like self awakening and like thought like he's like I don't know too much confidence and like things like <laughs> I know like it's like something weird happened with Brian Kelly. He's low key starting to head down. It's an like urban a midlife crisis. Type. Yeah. Thing. Maybe I you just got paid mid, too much money. The three-quarter yeah, life yeah, crisis exactly. is more generous. Exactly. Or less generous. What'd you say? Maybe he just got paid too much money. Like, maybe this, the amount of money is getting to his, getting head. To his maybe, head. Maybe he's just getting free things left and right. Could be. It's how they treat you down south. He's getting so. free beignets everywhere. It's that, it's that hot weather. He doesn't know how to handle himself. Uh, anyways, you guys mentioned both these teams earlier. Jackson State and Campbell yeah. both finished with recruiting classes... That are better than Power 5 schools. Better than Hawaii. Campbell was above three Power 5 schools. I think one of them being ASU um, down there near UConn. But 
thoughts on those FCS teams? Hammer fighting Campbell. Camel. Didn't Same they thing. land a four star? I think Two? so. I'm, I'm Yeah. I know Jackson State what, killed what's it. They Campbell turned doing? in. Because I know what Jackson State's got. They right. got Deion Sanders. Campbell got a got a flip from like a good school. And Campbell's not even uh I don't think they're an HBCU. I just think they're No, they're just FCS. Wow. Why are they out recruiting Jackson State? I don't know. They are? They what? are. They are. They're the one that's above what? three power five schools. So they didn't even have the five star to okay. bolster their resume. Hold up. The camels, right? Yeah, fighting camels. Fighting camels. Cool. Yeah, okay, here we go. So they they did. Miles Rouser, four star safety. I don't understand. Yeah, no, it's it's just how it be. It's cause uh their mascot is OP. It is OP. He flipped from Arkansas. Okay. Like look at this. What is all this stuff? Michigan, Bama, Arkansas, and you chose Campbell? Hello? He, he flipped. He flipped on National Signing Day, too. So Yeah, because according to experts, he had a 93% chance of signing with Arkansas and a 6% chance, a 93.8% and a 6.2% chance to sign with Michigan, which means those were the two teams and yeah, the out of nowhere goes with the fighting And like, you naturally want to think, oh yeah, maybe money, NIL. But I feel like you'd get more NIL money if you played for a bigger school. Yeah, but you, they might be maximizing their NIL money because right. now they're going to be definitely the best player at Campbell. Right. And then oh. they'll get the big deal there rather than... But like, no one probably will ever know of this kid. Maybe. I mean, there's a guy from Wisconsin Whitewater, a D3 school that got... Or D2 school that got drafted in the NFL draft this year. Or wow. he's go, he's projected to be, I should say. So I mean, it, it happens. People will still break through. I mean, where did uh, didn't Jimmy G go somewhere? Yeah, weird? like Eastern Illinois. Yeah, he went to. He's about now. Oh, he's not about got, to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he lost. But I don't know uh, if you guys, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember John Brown with the Cardinals. He went to yeah. like Pittsburgh Tech or something, which is like a D three school. Yeah, you see guys break through all the time. I mean, right? yeah, I see the breakthrough. But if you have Bama and Michigan knocking at your door, I would go there. But then ride the bench for three years. That's what happens. Although, you know, it's it's all know. we're not none of us are that good, so we'll never have to exactly have to worry Shout about to that. that. What are the odds that Travis Hunter goes in the transfer portal within Come to Hawaii. They had the Polynesian Bowl in Hawaii. He was like one of the players there. Played at my high school. Maybe he likes Hawaii so much. In, in his <laughs> bio on twenty four seven sports, he's wearing a lay. Could be a sign. I think that's a sign. I think that's a subtle reference. Coming to Hawaii. Uh keep track of that. Mac Brown, who is now seventy years old. 70. Jeez, man. That dude should retire again. Um, he just agreed <laughs> to an extension. Hello! Through 2026. Will he be alive through 2026? Damn, well. Um, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> why would you do that? And he just came off an underwhelming season. Yeah, they have faith I, in Mac. I, I, don't, I don't get that. I think they went 6-7, and seven, right? Yeah, they lost. I believe they lost the uh, Mayo Bowl. They, yeah, because Shane Beamer dang near got CTE from the mayonnaise somebody, bath. Yeah, the, the mayonnaise people had one job. Imagine your one job is to pour mayonnaise on someone and you, you drop the bucket on their head on accident. Like a head coach. Like that is just that is just unfortunate. Mac Brown wasn't too shabby on TV either. He was pretty pretty good yeah. as an ESPN analyst. It's, it's, you just feel like he had that itch. He just wanted to go coach again. You can just really tell he loves coaching. It's like Urban Meyer every two years. He gets that <laughs> itch back. He gets that itch back that even though his mental health cannot hold it together. We've talked about Urban Meyer a lot today. Yeah, he gets a lot of itches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
Next up, uh, Harbaugh. It looked like he was going to Minnesota to coach the Vikings. It looked like it was a done deal. He flew out to Minneapolis. Literally, sources were indicating that he was prepared to accept the job. And then in the 11th hour, on National Sighting Day, Jim Harbaugh commits to Michigan. I was about to say he flipped. Exactly. Biggest biggest acquisition. Is that really a win? I mean, it, it's a win for Michigan that he's not going anywhere. But, I mean, he was, a, he was about ready to abandon them. I know. I don't know. It's it's kind of one of those things. It's like if you're a baseball player and you just got traded, but the trade falls through, so you have to stay with the team that was just willing to trade you. you yeah. Know? But yeah. except Michigan would be that trade. It's like player. if your boss tells you you're fired and then you pack all your stuff up and then when you're about to leave, they're like, actually, we're not firing you. It's like, someone else, someone else fired or got quit or quit. Yeah, exactly yeah, like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, you, you feel that. And Harbaugh apparently, like, reassured the front office, like, this won't be a yearly thing. I'm in for Michigan as long as you'll keep me. But who knows? I feel like he should leave. I feel like he's maxed out on everything he could possibly do at Michigan. Making it to the playoff, that's pretty much the best you can do in these you current times. You don't times. think Michigan can win the Natty? No. I don't think so. Look at what A&M's doing. I mean, Campbell's out recruiting Michigan on this one player. On one player? I know, but, like, I don't know. I just feel like Michigan is maxed out already. Harbaugh has been there, done that. They just beat Ohio State for the first time, and he's been there for like what eight years, seven years. But maybe it's the start of the of start, the real of something new, of something. I was about to. I was about yeah. to say is he like that. almost sixty? The start of something. How new. old is he? I don't know. Let me look it up. I think he's like Jim he's Harbaugh, climbing. age fifty-eight. Okay, well, still young. Not really. Fifty-eight. Not, not is at old. all. He's old. Man, um, he feels young though. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm and... sure he does. You know, I'm sure he does. Speaking of young, we've got a young new team name. Uh, the team in the capital, the Washington Commanders. Thoughts on the name? It sucks. It's just boring. I don't know. There's nothing special about it, and I wasn't huge on their uniforms either, to be honest. Yeah, pretty eh, uniforms. I agree. National. The logo also capitals. still sucks. Like, yeah. the logo is just like a fancy W now. Washington football team was better. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Like, the football team was just cool. It was cool because it was like, screw you guys. We don't need a logo. We don't need a team name. We're just going to go out there. We're going to win. We're, gonna, we're the Washington football team. There was like an aura about that, especially because yeah. they made the playoffs the first year. Yeah. But, uh, you I know. I forgot about that. Yeah, right? And they, yeah. almost, won, they almost beat Brady in yeah. the first round. But alas, Brady retired. I don't. I didn't have anything for that. But he's a know. Michigan guy. Good for him. Yeah, I, I. I tried to make a connection there, but there's no like. I don't know. Michigan Harbaugh. Congrats on retirement. I was man. If Harbaugh took the job at, at uh, Minnesota, I was thinking, well, what are the odds that Brady coaches at Michigan? Hmm. Well, would Would Michigan do that? Would they take Brady? No. Fresh off retirement. No, they, they wouldn't do that. Do you guys think Brady would coach even? I feel like he would do TV. Like, yeah, like what Brady Manning wouldn't does. be willing to, to coach. He, but he would probably try it for like a year and then be like, I don't like that. I can't eat my quinoa when I want to or something like that. <laughs> um, okay, Kevin Steele, who was the offensive coordinator at Alabama, okay. he went to Maryland, got hired at Maryland. He was actively recruiting for Maryland. And then a photo got leaked on Twitter of his name on a nameplate at Miami, Miami, Florida. 
And then it was later announced that day that he had accepted a job offer as the offensive coordinator at Miami under Cristobal's staff, meaning he did not coach a single game at Maryland, did not spend a single day at Maryland, and just jumped the ship to Miami as he was actively recruiting for Maryland. That's messed up. That's crazy. Yeah. he's a, I believe he's a defensive coordinator. Defensive. My, yeah. my fault. No, my you're fault. good. That's a weird story. I didn't realize there were that many layers to it. I thought it was just like, oh, Miami made a, a good hire. Yes. Yeah. That is weird. Imagine you're sitting there. It's a big hit for Talia. Uh, he's a defensive coordinator, I guess. So it's not that big of a hit to, to your boy. But uh, imagine you're getting recruited by a guy, and then you see on Twitter that he just got hired to another job. <laughs> you're just like, yo, like, are, you, are you sure you're in for the long run? That's uh, it's rough. It's weird. College coaching, man. Coach was in the transfer portal. <laughs> exactly. Uh, basically. Um, big news uh, as far as conference realignment. James Madison University announced they will have their official move to the Sun Belt July 1st, 2022, meaning this season. Let's go. Whoa. They will be in the Sun Belt, and they will be playing games. I don't know how many, if there's a transition period they'll do, like this year. Okay, so you're telling but me. But they've done it. Cincinnati became the first group of five team to make the playoff. Technically... James Madison's a group of five team now, right? Yeah. Can they compete in bowl games starting this year? I, be- I believe Probably, so. Probably, right? Probably. Most Who likely. knows? Who knows? Who's on I their schedule? Was, I thought there was a one year. They, they have three. They have three games. Uh, I did, just they do, did they do away with that that stupid rule where you know, couldn't bro. make a bowl game? Because I know UTSA had, had that issue or they went They might not be able to make a bowl game, yeah. Oh, man. Because they, they have a transitional program. I'm pretty sure James Madison still has to play like four FCS games or something like that as a transitional thing. But I don't know the rules to that. And to That's be so frank, stupid. To play at Louisville this year. To be frank, I, I don't want to look it up. I don't. <laughs> but James Madison's such a fun team. I love James Madison. That's a fun university. They have cool uniforms. And it's just a cool team. James Madison They've University. They've had game day before, too. Yeah, I remember that. That was actually hype. That was the year they won it all, right? Or at least were runners up. I think so. They were really good. They were at least the one seed. North Dakota State has been so dominant that you forget they've basically been. If it wasn't for North Dakota State, they'd be the consistent best team in FCS. Exactly. Them and I think like Sam Houston State. Sam have Houston been, have been pretty good. Ewash, Eastern Washington's been a little right. All right. Big um, Sky's pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, while we're talking about little guys, Colt. Why don't you give us one for the little guy? Let's keep it in the conference realignment. I'll have you guys jump in as needed. In the Mountain West, okay, I'm assuming that Boise State and San Diego State and probably Fresno them, they're all going to end up leaving to the Big 12 in one of these years. If the Pac-12 starts adding, those names will be the first ones out. So I think the Mountain West should restock with the FCS teams if they can't poach any of these other Power five schools. I think they should go after Montana. Yep. Montana State. Agreed. North Dakota State. Disagree. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I and agree. Eastern Washington. I think those four schools would be a great addition. I think they're all relevant. And I think it would add some kind of credibility to the conference after losing some big time names. Then what I would do is, I don't know if you guys have seen this before, but like Princeton and like some other Ivy League school have won the most national championships Correct. in the history of college football. Yep. 
I would love to see them actually compete. You know, who knows? Cincinnati just became the first Group of Five team. But who knows Princeton if Princeton could ever get into the playoff again, especially if we expand. I want to see Princeton and the Ivy League schools merge with the Conference USA or one of these smaller conferences, maybe the American Athletic, get all eight schools in because I know you need, like, the Harvard-Yale rivalry. And I think this would be a great addition to mainstream college football because the rivalries here are deep. I know they have to study a lot, and so I don't know, you know, how big the fan bases will be or if all the players will be there because they'll be taking don't, tests. Don't they not do athletic scholarships either at the Ivy really? League schools? I, I think that might be a thing. I'm not sure, man. No, I think they do scholarships. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would love to see them move up. Wait, wait, and wait then... let me see, let me see. Unlike... The Ivies don't offer athletic or academic scholarships. They should start. Wow. They They're entirely need-based things, so they don't, yeah. Why? They have enough money. They could. It's just the Ivy League. They're pretentious. I mean, that's just how they are. I don't know, but I would like to see them relax a little bit and join the big dogs. And I mean, then... Rutgers is in. Rutgers was one of the first football teams ever. But they're not in Ivy League. I know, but uh, there's, you're talking about the traditional oh, schools. No, I, I think you. they won a couple of natties early on. Yeah. When the 1600s, <laughs> yeah, exactly. basically, and then I would throw in East Tennessee State, Jackson State, and then the Battle of the Bands, Grambling, and Southern. I would throw them in somewhere. I think that's how you actually give the HBU some love. Put them in the big stream, in the in the mainstream. I'd love to see those guys compete. And you know, if, if Jackson State could move up, I think it'd be really cool to see Deion Sanders actually stay there, and build that program. That'd be cool. And beat some legit schools. No, I agree. I, I think uh, in, the, in the Mountain West, why stop where you stopped? I mean, South Dakota State, good team. North Dakota, South Dakota. There's still more teams that, that could still be tapped into in that, that market, I Just think. don't get rid of Hawaii. That's all <laughs> I might care happen. about. They get too used to those teams close. Back to you, Budge. All right, and then I'll throw it back to Hayden because National Signing Day just happened. So this is probably the biggest recruiting update fresh. of the year. Because we not only have the high school rankings, but we have... The transfer portal, Let's go. which is Let's the go. new cool thing going on. So I'm gonna, I'll start with high school because that's still the most important thing. You want to have a good high school class. That's your foundation. Even though half the kids are probably gonna end up in the portal anyways. <laughs> these yeah. are the kids. Th- these are the kids you want in your program that you develop. All, all that stuff. Um, so with that being said, coming in and dead last is my Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> oh man, let's go with the second worst recruiting class in Power Five, ahead of only the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go. Let's go. Um, their top commit was actually pretty good. Four-star running back Tevin White. He was a top 200 guy, and um, yeah, it was it was it was a it was just a terrible signing class and I want to get past that yep. coming in Good at goal. number 11 the Washington Huskies who would have been last but in the most disrespectful move of all time they flipped three star safety Tristan Dunn from ASU to oh. jump ASU in the rankings man and along with ASU they were out recruited by the Campbell fighting Campbells coming in at number 10 USC it gets lost in the shuffle they did not have a very okay their high school class, they didn't have the numbers. Okay, they had like nine commits, but yep. the ones who committed were very good. They pulled the only five star in the conference, Domani Jackson, and they completely loaded up in the portal. We'll get to that later, so it doesn't really matter. And then, really, the middle of the pack, nothing special. You know, Wazoo nine, Cal eight, kind of the normal places for those programs. 
UCLA seven. That was a little low for them, I feel like. And they landed several four stars, including their quarterback of the future, Justin Martin from Inglewood, California. Then six and five, you have Oregon State and Colorado. And what's interesting about those two schools, neither of them signed a single four star. Yep. It's what we do. It's what we do, baby. Who needs them? <laughs> Coming in at number four, the Utah Utes, who were still outside of the top 25, but. You know, Kyle Whittingham marginally improving the recruiting numbers. Scary. The scary, Stones, scary, baby. scary thought for the Pac-12. We saw Clark Phillips was the highest recruit in school history a couple years ago. He's probably going to go first round at cornerback. Coming in at number three, the Oregon Ducks, who just snuck in the top 25. They had a pretty solid class as usual when you have Uncle Phil uh, running the program there. It's unacceptable to not have a top 25 class. True. At number two, and one of the biggest surprises nationally of signing day, the Arizona Wildcats, Ooh. who went 1-11 last year, with a Mickey just Mouse turned win. in a pretty dang good recruiting class, number 22 nationally, and they just pulled Ted Awara, Ted Iroa. Colt, you got to help me out with that. Like Tetairora. Tetairora? <laughs> you I don't just know. made that up, didn't you? <laughs> Can you explain uh, that to me, though? T. T McMillan well, um, from what's Servite. What's the pitch? Oh, that was my name game guy. Did Colt look at that name? Did you see the spelling? He definitely I did. I didn't see it. Tetairora? Nah, it's too late. Okay. What's the okay. pitch, though? Can you explain that to me? Why is Arizona pulling in the second-best recruiting class in the Pac-12 when they went 1-11? Why is Delora even going there? What's the pitch here? Two reasons. One... NIL. Arizona is the only show in town, so as far as NIL goes, there's going to be more opportunities than an ASU yep. for, for payment opportunities for the kids. Okay. That with ASU coming off of a recruiting schedule. I got you. But mainly, it has to be you're going to come in and play. And that was the pitch when Herm Edwards came in mm. and, and turned around recruiting. And a lot of other schools, you know, I've seen Arkansas do this, and, and you saw Vanderbilt pull in some guys. You're going to come in, and you're going to get the chance to play. Yep. So you have a T. McMillan. You have a Rayshon Luke who just won the, the All-America game MVP and is a four-star running back. Four-star tight end Kean Burnett. Four-star cornerback Esfesians Prysock. Four-star linebacker. I mean, they just turned in an absolutely insane class, and all those kids are probably going to start. And you'll notice most of them are from Orange County which is kind of a slept-on part of the recruiting scene. It's usually L.A. that gets all the love. Orange County's really good. You've got Servite. You've got um, uh, Bishop Alemany, Mission Viejo. Some good schools in there. And it just might be a thing where, hey, we're going to not only recruit California, we're going to recruit Orange County. And that's mm. going to be our identity. You kids are going to come in here, and you're going to change the thing around. Jaden Delora, I have no idea. That's a different story. Has to be money. And he must have hated the cold. I mean, I That's like the Hawaii, only thing I can surmise there. I feel like Hawaii could say the same thing. You can come in and play. We lost half the roster. True. The only yeah. show in Facilities, town. Facilities, basketball. I uh, Maybe that's true. I don't know. He's a basketball that, right. fan. And coming in at number one, Stanford. I mean, that's just weird to say. I yeah, mean, they, <laughs> even that too. That's so weird. And their class wasn't even that great on the national scale. Number 17. They didn't pull a single five-star. They just had a lot of those kind of fringe four-star guys turned in just uh, they had a nice class in terms of numbers and they had some uh, i'd say above average players so 
Last Dance with David Shaw. Right. Smart, they have smart kids. Yeah. And he's only nerds. got a couple. I think David Shaw, he's nerds. got a couple years left. And we'll see what happens. All right. So he needed to pull that class. And then I'll just quickly, you know, I won't do the whole transfer portal rankings as far as Pac-12 teams. But I'll just give you a quick top five. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. Biggest winners. Yeah. USC, obviously, getting all the guys they got. I've already listed. UCLA did pretty good as well. Losing Dylan Gabriel sucked, but they got some other good guys. I'm seeing Jay Shaw, who was a four-star cornerback from Wisconsin. Azizi Hearn from Wyoming. The guy from uh, Hawaii, Darius Muasau. <laughs> yeah. So pretty, pretty good class for them in the portal. ASU, number three. It's huge. See, that, that offsets things a little bit, and I think the transfer portal will help when ASU inevitably is going to lose out big time on high school talent in the next couple years, the transfer portal is there to save you. So That's big. Bear, Bear Bryant's grandson, a couple other big guys. Yeah, that was big for ASU to, to turn in a nice class. And we'll leave it there because U of A is next. So <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. Yeah, screw U of A, man. No pity for the kitty. Um, uh, Jermaine Burton to Alabama was one that I saw in, yeah. the, in the portal. That's just, just confusing. Uh, confusing. If you can't... No, if you beat them, join them. If you beat them, then join them. Yes. Uh, How about that? Pretty, pretty funny there. Um, but we, uh, you, you mentioned it in the group chat. Zach Hill, Antonio Pierce. Yeah, three we're over with the show, and we didn't even mention three that. other ASU coaches fired. Um, and I believe you have an Auburn theory with their offensive coordinator leaving. Ah, yes. Well, Zach Hill was the favorite, the overwhelming favorite, to get the Auburn job before. Not before the investigation. It was it was after the investigation, but Zach Hill was the guy at Auburn, and their compliance staff shot it down. So he's been fired. I don't. I mean, there's no way they can hire him now. But yeah, you know, there's always that possibility that that he has the chance to go there in some sort of analyst role or something. And their their coordinator spot just opened up. So if they want to get him, he's there. I just it's I don't think convenient. they'll do it. But five out of the ten assistants gone from before the before the uh, allegations hit. Just crazy how fast the Herm train has been derailed. Really sad. Yeah. Really sad. All the excitement out of this program, gone. And it's not just football. It's a lot of other sports. Basketball. I mean, look where we when we were freshmen. The football program was on the rise. Jaden Daniels was exciting to watch. Yeah. The basketball program was awesome. We had Spencer Torkelson who's for baseball. baseball, who's the the number one prospect in the MLB. We had Remy Martin. We had Remy Martin. I mean, we had... these were fun times. We we beat U of A in like every sport one year. Yeah. We swept them. Man, Ooh. how times change fast. <laughs> it times is, change. Things are falling apart a little bit. Crazy what a pandemic can do, man. I know. Exactly. All right, let's uh, let's do some fact or fiction. Let's go. Uh, real quick. Actually, do should we do the name game first? Yeah, no, let me quick. quickly do the name game. Yeah, yeah. You want Hayden, me to just do... Since Cole already saw mine, Tatarilla McMillan. Hayden, yeah, go ahead and All do. right, we're going to start with, with an easy one. We've got three-star defensive linemen who just signed with Stanford, and these are signing day themed. Okay. These are new guys. Pat Coy. How hard could this be? Pat, Pat Coy. Coy. Pat P Coy. P A T. Okay. Yep. Koi. Got it. Wow. Okay. Koi fish. K O I. Oh, incorrect. <laughs> okay. Is that how you spell koi fish? Yep. Huh. Okay. Joe Koi. K O Y. So, what was the first one you said? K O I? Yeah. Incorrect. Pat Koi is C A U 
G H E Y. Pat Coy. Oh, uh, uh, not a very fun name That's at all. That's like Cowhee. <laughs> <laughs> Cowhee. Well, straight from Pat Coy's mouth. You we're over one. Look it up on YouTube. Over one in the off season. To uh, lay it down easy here. <laughs> Wazoo running back. <laughs> Tyler, if you want to get a look at this name, what, Max Borgie. Oh, that's, I, I don't even don't even say it. Just tell <laughs> Javensky. You'd be better off just guessing consonants, man. J- Javensky Schlenbacher. Jesus. Javensky <laughs> J. No. G. No. no. All right. What? I mean, just wait, look wait, at wait, it. Hold on. Look hold at on. it. C. No. No. Okay. D G O U V E N S K Y. Javensky is like Djokovic, but like Javensky. And then Schlenbacher, Schlenbaker. <laughs> That's a S-C-H. good one. I didn't bother looking up the pronunciation because I knew we wouldn't get there. Yeah, exactly. So, we, there was no no chance. How is that Koi? You can look it up. YouTube, Pat Koi. It's like coffee <laughs> or cow. I thought it was coffee at first, but just spelled weird, but it's Koi or Koi. This kid doesn't know how to pronounce his own last name. Uh, That's what's going on. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's quickly get some fact or fiction in just as we fiction. wrap up the show we've got we've got uh, about four minutes left here colt's already screaming fiction uh fact or fiction texas a&m is a contender next year to win the title fiction okay uh fact or fiction no south title next year would be a failure for lincoln riley fact well fact yeah, yeah. At this point, wow. Okay, no, okay. Caleb Williams is a fact now. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, fact or fiction? The transfer portal is being used too much. Fact. Fact, because Hawaii is not benefiting enough. <laughs> okay. Fact or fiction? Another Group of Five team will make the college football playoff before expansion. Fiction. Fiction. It won't happen again until it's like twenty-seven. All right. That committee needs to get on it. Uh, fact or fiction? Clemson will be back in playoff contention in twenty twenty-two. Fact. 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 Wow. You even, can see it towards the end of the season last year. They ripped off, what, eight straight wins, seven straight wins? That's true, actually. Yeah, they did, they did do that. They'll keep this thing going. They did lose Venables, though. Who do they play this year? And their offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott. Do they he have any tough the, games uh, this year? It's going to be Dabo's test this year. Yeah. I forget what job he took. Tony Elliott. I th- oh, he went to Virginia. Was he? Is he the head coach of head, Virginia? He's the head coach there? Yeah. So both. Wait, what off- happened to Bronco? Retired. He retired. Yeah, he retired. Really? Yeah. Mendenhall had one of the weirdest careers ever, I feel like. BYU to Virginia. The and he was just And he was of... actually like like decent at first at Virginia and then like yeah. kind of fell off. Weird. Two easy games. I mean, two tough games the whole season. At Wake Forest and at Notre Dame. That's it. That's two losses in my book. Just saying. Uh, fact or fiction, recruiting rankings don't matter that much. Fact. Nowadays, fact, yes. Okay. What do you mean by nowadays? Well, with the portal. Oh, okay. Um, There's a lot of If you combine the two, then yes, but just There should be a combined. Right. Pure high school rankings. Well, they still matter, but they don't matter as much. Yeah. Uh, Fact or fiction, Brian Kelly is pressured to win from day one at Notre Dame. Mm. At LSU, I'd say fact. I'm going to go fiction. I'm not expecting really? him to be successful this first year. Okay, all right. I mean, fair enough. Who's his quarterback? Miles Brennan? Exactly. Or did he transfer? Uh, it's either Max Johnson or Miles Brennan. It's okay. one of those two guys. Uh, and fact or fiction, the Pac-12 will have a good out-of-conference performance next season. No. You know, fiction. they never do. <laughs> no, but the, I didn't even pull up the games. Hold on. 
Move on. The answer is no. The answer is no. Um, fact or fiction? The NFC will win the Pro Bowl this season. Fiction. I've got AFC every single year. That was my favorite team, pro sports team growing up. It's all we had, you know, the Pro Bowl in Hawaii until they took that away too. <laughs> you can hear the pain. The pain. Yeah. In that oh, I used to go for like four straight years, and then you know we had Team Rice, Team Sanders, Team Irvin one year. That's exciting. Who I'm, always wins the NFC? What would you guys say? Uh, Cole picked the AFC to I, win. I, I'm. I'm the, I feel like the fan. NFC normally wins, though. Yeah. Just give me the NFC. Go Cardinals. Let's go. Aaron Rodgers, will he will he play? What if Aaron Rodgers chooses like a different team before the Pro Bowl? Let's say he decides to leave and goes to the Broncos. He he requests a trade. Then yeah. he plays for the Broncos. Okay, in the Pro just Bowl. just real quick, I'm gonna run through some of the the really crazy non conference matchups for the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. Washington State plays um, at, at Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Washington plays Michigan State. Utah plays Florida and San Diego State. Bruh. USC has Notre Dame, and that's about it. UCLA. Don't sleep on rice. Stanford has Colgate. Colgate. <laughs> okay. No, Stanford and, still uh, has Notre Dame, though. They have Notre Dame and BYU. Yep. Oregon State has the sneaky tough one with uh, Boise and Fresno. And Montana, and Montana State. State. And Montana State. Oh, my gosh. Oregon. Georgia and BYU and Eastern Washington. There you go. Colorado, TCU, Air Force, and Minnesota. Yeah. They're going over. Cal, Notre Dame. Uh, ASU <laughs> at Oklahoma State. And U of A has San Diego State, Mississippi State, and the freaking North Dakota State Bison. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I'll the say. The Alabama of the FCS. The last thing I say before we, we wrap up the show here is that's why I'm high on UCLA. Bowling Green, Alcorn State, South Alabama. The only team I can count on to win their out-of-conference games this year is UCLA, and I think that'll build some momentum. You so. don't trust USC? I do not. Fresno wow. State, not, bro? Not. Fresno State? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a sketchy, that's sketchy game. That's fair. Especially early. Rice? <laughs> you never know. You honestly never know. Let's get out of here. Yeah, it was a good show, guys. Uh, any parting thoughts? I think Go the, the silence speaks for it all. <laughs> Go Devils. This is a painful... Painful signing day. All right. Go Beavs. I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Colt Amadova. And with that, we wave goodbye.